There's a big event happening in the Jenkins household this summer. Parker and Will will be going to driver's ed. Yeah. Exciting times ahead for the Jenkins. Increased insurance payments, less breathing, white knuckles. Um, <laughs> wow. Pray for me. <laughs> and you've got, I think, the bulk of the summer to be on the road safely. But summer around August is when you'll want to park the car. <laughs> We don't have city buses, so you can't really do that. Maybe you scusa. Um, this morning we are we're in Acts 16. We are journeying through Acts. We call it Reacts. It's basically kind of our response to the Book of Acts. You know, we're not making you do what's in here. We're just trying as a church to read it honestly, to look at it, see what happened there, and then kind of ask the question: Well, if we do today what God, what they did then, would God do today what He did then? And so we're just trying to kind of ask this question: If we just followed their lead, and this morning in Acts 16, we're going to read about something that if you're a driver or have been in a car, which that does cover everybody, right? Okay, if you're a driver or you've been in a car, you've seen you've seen signs that say "dead end." Yeah, you've seen them, and so you've experienced them. You know that, man, they can be frustrating, they can be consuming, time-consuming, they can be confusing. I don't know how far you've ever driven to find that you're actually at a dead end, um, but they're really frustrating, especially if you don't know that they're coming. However, sometimes signs, dead-end signs, they can be put in some pretty funny places, so we brought a couple for you to look at. Just kind of warm you up, kind of buttering the crowd up here. I love this, dead end and memory lane. Who here is old enough to say, yeah, that's, that's me. I don't remember anything. My memory is a dead end, okay? Um, dead end in lover's lane. Uh, maybe that's not quite as funny. But I, I thought it would be. I feel like now I've bombed. So we'll try, to, we'll try to pick it up with the last one, okay? I think this is great. A dead end sign at a cemetery. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, looks like we made it. <laughs> At least I did something right. Oh, boy. Um, so anyway, this morning in Acts 16, here's what we're going to learn. Believe it or not, we're going to learn, hopefully, that dead ends may be the best thing that could ever happen to us. Okay, we're in Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. I'm going to read it. You can follow along in your Bibles. We'll have it up here on the screen. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, if we could have read the Bible and we're all, we saw all those names, we hear all these names of cities, it, we have no clue, do we? I mean, am I the only one outside the fact that I have a Bible map? But I, we have no clue where these places are. Now, if we could have read that 
like Paul wanted to go to Charlotte, but God wouldn't let him, so he went to Big Lick and then Frog Pond and he went to Aquadale and Locust. We'd be like, oh, yeah, I got that. Like, that's crazy. We don't know where these places are, so I brought a map. We're going back to school. Okay? Can you see the map behind me? Can you read the map behind me? No, you got no shot. I'm going to try to point this out to you. Okay, so we're going to read it again. You can look at the map, see if you can find the places that we're reading. So we know um, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now look, Galatia is, see, Galatia. That's how you know that's where it is. And right here is Phrygia. So Galatia is to the north and Phrygia is to the south. And Paul right now is hanging out here in Lystra. So he wants to go up to Galatia, can't. He wants to go south to Phrygia, can't. So when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do so. Okay, so they come right here, the border of Mysia. They can't go there. They, go up, they can't go to Bithynia. So just see how this red, this red arrow is what you're following, the red line. They're just trying to find, they're just trying to find somewhere to go. Okay? And then they end up in... Troas. Now, when you read it with a map, you see what's going on. Here's what I want you to understand. It's amazing how, how many dead ends did they hit? North, south, Mysia, Bithynia. They hit four dead ends, right? It's amazing how, do you see what God's kind of doing here? God's kind of, what happens if you get a lot of dead ends together? You know what they make? They make you frustrated. No, I'm just kidding. They make a funnel. It's basically what they make. God's kind of just funneling with dead ends. He's funneling Paul because he's got somewhere he wants Paul to be, right? And so he's saying no, 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 until he gets to where he wants him to be. That literally, they're being squeezed by God. Anybody ever felt that way? You ever felt like you're getting squeezed by God? Like your options get less and less and less? Because I didn't really want to make this choice, but I did because it's the only choice I have. I don't know if you ever lived there or not. It's a little bit frustrating. You're squeezed by God. Funnels can seem like a waste of time. Anybody ever, everybody, uh, y'all are mechanical, I'm not. I mean, I, I fixed a mower the other day. I was pretty excited. <laughs> I fixed a mower. Like, it would have taken you 30 minutes. It took me, like, the, day, the whole day. Like, when I got done, I couldn't mow because it was dark. But I fixed that thing. And I walked in. I looked like a man, too. I was like... Wendy looked at me, she's like, dude, what have you been doing? I don't know, but I got oil everywhere on me. It's awesome. I fixed a mower. I'm not mechanical, so I, don't, I like to skip steps, okay? So when it's, it's just simple things, simple things like putting oil in my car. I, I pop the, the hood. I take off the cap. And, you know, the oil in the car, it's like way down in there somewhere. But I reach in there, I get it out. And if I do it, it's like playing operation, right? Reach in there. Don't touch anything. <laughs> I go, and I get the oil, and I go, oh, God, I don't have the funnel. And the funnel is, I mean, feel my pain, right? It's in the shed a good 30 seconds behind me. But I don't want to go get it, right? So I open the oil, and I try to pour it from up here through the whole mix of mess and then into the thing. And where does the oil go? All over the place, okay? Funnels seem like such a waste of time, but they actually serve a purpose, because they get the oil to where it's supposed to go. And if you're being funneled by God, if you're getting squeezed by God, I mean, fill in the names of whatever places you want. I wanted to go. I wanted to move to Charlotte. He said no. Then I wanted to move. To, and then out of the blue, I just thought, I'll move to Arizona. Why? I don't know, because you're stupid. But I thought I'd go to Arizona. And he said no. 
And you're like, oh, no, 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 oh, God, I just want to bypass this. Funnels can be very, very frustrating. They can feel like a waste of your time and my time. But they serve a purpose. So verse 6. Let me just walk you through just some key points, verses 6 through 10. They're traveling through the, the region of Phrygia and Galatia because they can't go into Asia. And the Greek word for been kept by is the word that means to hinder, to prevent, to forbid, to deny, or refuse something. Doesn't it sound like there's a lot of wiggle room there, does it? It's just not, God's not going, oh, yeah, maybe. To forbid, to hinder, to deny. It's the same word that's used in the Gospels when they, remember the story about Jesus and he's talking and a bunch of kids came running up to him? And the disciples, remember how they were? They're so kid-friendly. Like, stop! Ninja disciples, right? And then Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't keep the children from coming to me. That, that phrase, don't keep the children, that's the one that's being used here. He's like, don't stop them, but here he's stopping Paul. Okay, that's the same word, same phrase. It's not a pleasant one. And the crazy thing is it came from God. It's the root word for prune, correct, chastise. Moms get that one, right? Have you ever pruned and corrected and chastised your kids? Yeah, same word here, okay? Same word. Verse 7, they're stopped again by the Spirit. Second closed door. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Troas, I want you to understand something. It's right here on the coast, right here. Troas was not their first choice. I'm going to throw my favorite team under the bus now. This was like an NC State coaching search, right? Whenever NC State hires a coach, it's not their first choice, not their second choice, probably not even their fifth choice. It's way down the list. And then they stand up and say, it's so good to be the coach of the Wolfpack football team. But what they're thinking is, I can't believe I'm the coach of the Wolfpack football team. They didn't even want me. I was 12th on their choice. But everybody else said no. That's kind of what's going on here. If you, if you could have sat down with Paul and said, hey, Paul, you want to go to Troas? He just said, not really. Why are you in Troas? Nowhere else to really go. It's a lot like being in Albemarle, isn't it? People say, I moved to Albemarle. And I say, why? And, uh, oh, I mean, it's great to have you. It's so good you're here, right? We're changing that, right? We're going to be a part of changing that culture. But we can relate to Troas living in Albemarle, okay? Nope. I was like, Are you, did you lose a bet? <laughs> did they pay you like three years worth of salary because you chose it? <laughs> what? It's not his first choice. Listen to this statement. Sometimes God leads us more by the closed doors than the open ones. Sometimes God leads us more by the closed doors than the open ones. He actually guides us through hindrances. So let me just throw this out, okay? We don't like to be hindered, do we? I mean, don't we like green lights? We don't like red lights. We like green lights. So lots of times we rebuke red lights. We come against hindrances but here in Acts 16 and again we're just looking at the Bible I'm not telling you you have to believe it I'm just saying this is what happened in their life this is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament he was led by red lights he could have stayed back here in Lystra 
and got in a prayer circle together and rebuked the spirit of red lights, except that God was using them. This is how he was leading him. We don't like closed doors. We hate closed doors. But sometimes God leads more through closed doors than he does through open ones. And so this should probably change the way that we see hindrances. Maybe we should start thinking more about them than trying to just get rid of them. Okay, fair enough? All right, verse 9. He goes to Troas. This is located in modern-day Turkey. The name means penetrated. And this is where God began to expand Paul's vision. In verse 10, Paul responds immediately. Verse 9, he has a vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. In verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. When did they get ready? What does your say? Immediately, at once. They got ready at once. They didn't have time to sell stuff on eBay. They just got ready at once. And they took off. It's a good thing that they did. They made the trip in two days, verse 11. God's got great timing. It's best to trust that. So, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, you're like, where? I don't, I'm lost. First point, dead ends lead somewhere. They lead somewhere. Now, when you're driving and you drive down the long cul-de-sac on a dirt road, a cul-de-sac's a paved dead end. A dirt road is just a dirt road with a dead end. If you're in Kentucky, when you drive down the dirt road, there's also people playing banjos. But there's still dead ends, right? If you're driving down that, you know, that doesn't lead anywhere, right? At least you like get to the end and go, quick, turn around and go back. They're going to pull the gun out. But dead ends here in your life with Jesus, they lead us somewhere. God actually uses them to guide us. And they led Paul right to Troas. So here's what we need. We need to learn something when we get there. Here's the question. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for you? We can relate to the passage of Scripture because we can relate to closed doors more than open. But the danger is in America, man, we'll miss this. We'll miss that this is how God leads us. Because again, like we said earlier, we, we spend so much time, so much energy, so much money trying to get rid of this message. Don't teach me a message about God leading me through closed doors because that's not fun. Teach me a message that lets me do whatever I want. So our American brand of Christianity, we fight against this. But all of us spend time in Troas, and sooner or later, we'll learn what God's teaching us. I prefer sooner rather than later. I've been through some bad stuff, and I find myself saying to God, um, God, please help me learn quickly. I'd like to get out of here. Have you ever had a bad class in school? Calculus? English 101. <laughs> Anything in English for me was like, oh, God, please get me out of here quickly. Just, hey, just give me the test. I'll just guess and hope I get out, right? This is kind of how it is in Troas. Nobody goes to Troas and says, oh, I just want a vacation here. I want to hang out here. This is what happens in Troas. You get there, and you're like, I don't like it here. I want to get out as quickly as I possibly can. I want to learn the lesson as quickly as I can. So here's what I want you to learn about Troas. Four things. Number one, it's a place of trust. It's a place of trust. Um, I love the fact that Paul did all this journeying. He had all these closed doors. And in verse 9, when he got to Troas, he went to sleep. 
I mean, the Bible doesn't say he went to sleep. It just says that during the night, Paul had a vision. And I don't know how you have your visions at night, <laughs> but I have mine when I'm sleeping. They're usually really weird visions, like, ah, we were swinging on a swing in North Carolina, and then we were getting pizza in California. What? And then a zombie came. What? It's crazy. You know, he had a vision. At night, he's sleeping. Listen, this is a place of trust. You've got to trust God. So just being really practical. If Paul had spent his time in Troas doing what you and I do when we're in a bad place, he would have paced the night away and never been asleep long enough to have a vision from God. And we let stuff rob us of the peace that we need to have in that place. Troas is a place of trust. Troas is a place of trial. Listen, this is how Paul described, just keep your finger in Acts 16, over in 2 Corinthians when he wrote to the church in Corinth, in verse 12, this is how he describes Troas. Now, when I went to, to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind. But he's there. He knows he's supposed to be there. He, I love how he says it, because the Lord had opened the door for me. He could have said, because the Lord closed every other possible door, and this was the only place I could have been, but I was there. And I was preaching, and I still had no peace. I love the vulnerability of Paul. Just right there. He's not trying to pretend to be a certain way. He's just saying the way it is. I was there. I'm preaching. God told me to be there, but I don't have any peace. Troas is a place of trial. If you're in a place where the doors are closed, you're running into dead end after dead end after dead end, you know what you're not supposed to be? Happy. You're not supposed to put a smile on your face and say, this is great. I just love having doors slammed in my face. I wish people could do it more. Bless Jesus. No, you're supposed to say stuff like, I don't like this. I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying to find my way. Right? You don't have to be happy about it. You're not supposed to be happy about it. Paul, in the Bible, wrote that he was not happy about it. So I didn't have peace. Trust is a place of trust. It's a place of trial. It's a place of transformation. Paul had a dream, but it was too small. It needed to be stretched, and that's what took place in Troas. See, Paul, he's walking along, going wherever he can, and I love I had a professor in seminary, he told me, he said, Paul got all the way to Troas, and he put his toes in the water, and he looked out at an ocean, and he said, now what? I mean, he went as far as he could go. God, I just want to go back. I just want to go talk to those cities about Jesus. Those cities about Jesus. But you know what? Paul wanted cities. God wanted a continent. Our dreams are too small. Your dream is too small. God needs to stretch your dream. And he does it in Troas or Albemarle. This is where he transforms us. This is a city that its name meant penetrated. We talked about that earlier. This is the place where God finally penetrated through to Paul. And then he launched him from this place to penetrate the darkness on another continent. The darkness of Europe. Now, how does God transform us? How is our 
world any different today because Paul went to Troas and then he went to Macedonia. Now, I'm just going to tell you the books that you can rip out of your Bible. Are you ready? Hold your Bible up. I want you to rip the books out that we would not have today if Paul had not said yes in Troas. Please don't really rip them. We've been there and done that. Didn't end well. Here are books that we would not have. We would not have the book of Acts. We would not have 1st or 2nd Corinthians. We would not have Ephesians. We would not have Philippians. We would not have 1st or 2nd Thessalonians. That's six books. It's the fourth of the New Testament that we would not have if Paul had not said yes in Troas. Because these are places that he visited beyond this moment. And so if he just said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I quit. I'm sick of closed doors. I'm tired of hearing no, God. What's your problem? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you say that. I'm just repeating prayers I've made. <laughs> we would have had none of that. But God begins to transform him. Paul's like, I just want to go into Asia. Remember, that's where he wanted to go at the beginning, right? Remember that back in Acts, the f- verse 6? Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Asia was his first choice. That's where he wanted to go. Just right down here, this whole area right here. That's where he wanted to go. And he could have, man, he could have just pitched a fit in Troas, like me and you have done, right? Just pitch a fit. Man, God, why don't you let me do what I want to do? I mean, the Bible says all your promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Come on, God. Why do I keep hearing No. When do I get to have my time? I'm stuck here in Albemarle. Joel Osteen's not in Albemarle. That's why he's smiling. Nothing good coming out of Albemarle. We could do that. Maybe this wasn't your first choice either. It's possible, and now I'm, I'm preaching now, okay? So you're going to hate me after this, but it's possible that the person you're married to, not your first choice. Don't tell them, please, if it's not. <laughs> Your response to them is, oh, baby, no, you were my first and only choice. But now that you've been married a, a year, two, five, 20, 30, now you're thinking, if I could go back, and pick again. <laughs> not so much, I'm not sure I'll be picking you. Right? It's possible. It's possible that the job you have, not your first choice. It's possible that friends you have, not your first choice. Of course, you probably have some control over that. But God wants to transform us. Without Troas, Paul would never have met Luke. Acts would not have been recorded. As a matter of fact, when we read this from 6 to 10, you'll hear a lot, you'll read a lot of they, they, they. Like in verse 7, when they came to the border, they tried to enter, but the Spirit would not allow them to. So they passed by. During the night, Paul had a vision. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, who got ready? We we, where'd that come from? It was they, 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 then now it's we. You know who we is? We is Luke. We is Luke. That's good grammar right there, isn't it? <laughs> we is in Stanley County. 
we is Luke. I mean, he picked up Luke. And they went together, and, and Luke records all this stuff. That's who wrote Acts. But do you see all the stuff we'd be missing if he had made the wrong decision with his toes in the water at Troas? Paul's message and his ministry were transformed in Troas. And here's the last point. Troas is a place of trust. It's a place of trial. It's a place of transport, transformation. <laughs> Transportation. It's awesome. It's also, <laughs> it's also a place of tremendous value. And this is the part I really want you to get today, okay? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you are in Troas right now? You're just stuck, man. You're just in a place right now. It's like dead ends everywhere I turn. Like I'm just looking for a door, just a crack, anything. Give me an opening, okay? So for you, this is what I pray. I pray that for you, you will find what Paul found, that Troas will become a place of tremendous value. Often we come to hard places in our lives and we want to leave them as fast as we can. But once we've come through the hard places in our lives, have you noticed this? We want to remember them as long as we can. Let me say that again. I really want you to get this, okay? When we come to hard places in our lives, we want to leave them as fast as we can. But when we have come through the hard places, we want to remember them as long as we can. Because there's something valuable there. The lessons that we, come, that we learn, that they become precious. They become priceless. We don't ever want to forget them. Yesterday, I met Pfeiffer for the graduation ceremonies. I don't know how many students walked across the stage. It seemed like 10,000. It's probably not that many. And you know, I'm, I'm watching Kyle, and I'm just people that we know from the church. They're graduating, and I'm loving it because I know these people. But you know what? Only one person yesterday really caught my attention. There's only one person that walked across that platform that if I could have, and you'd never do this. Don't ever do this at a graduation ceremony because it's stuffy. But if I could have stood up and said, whoa, ho, ho, time out. I want to know your story. There's only one person that did that. And I don't know his story. But I know that he shuffled up one side. It took forever. Got his diploma. And then he shuffled back down the other side. I mean, he's walking slow and painting but he got a degree and i wanted to say stop congrats to all y'all that didn't work as hard as this man but i want to know his story that's what happens in troas we want to hear the stories of overcomers this is why bio bio has a show called i survive not i'm hoping because they're horrible stories. You watch them and go, there ain't no way this person survived. But they did because they're interviewing them. The bear attacked me. I never saw it coming. He ripped my head off. What? But your head's on. How did they do it? See, we keep watching it. Why? Because we want to know how it worked out. That's what happens in Troas. Your story might have no end in sight. And that's what makes it so amazing because you know you're going to win because that's what the Bible says. This is like way back, way back in the day when the Panthers had first started playing. And they went out at 4 o'clock. This is before DVR and TiVo and all the awesome things we have today. This is back in the day of VCRs and 8-tracks and stuff. No, no 8-tracks. They were playing a 4 o'clock game in Candlestick Park at San Francisco. 
against the 49ers. And this is back in the day when they played in the same division as the 49ers, and the 49ers were the team to beat. And I, being a pastor, could not watch 4 o'clock games. Well, I could watch some, and I would, <laughs> I would always get to church like 5.55, right? You're just watching as much as you can and get in the car and zoom down to church. And so when they left, when I left, they were losing. And so you try to go through the whole church service, like somebody will, hey, don't tell me, I'm recording it. I'm recording This is before smartphones. You had no access to any information without going back and watching that game. And I'm just about to leave. I'm getting in the car. And some jerk, I mean, somebody <laughs> was like, can you believe the Panthers pulled it out? Can you believe I'm going to pull it out, you know? And then I was like, so at that point, it's like, no, I can't believe it. What was the score? And they're telling me the score, you know, the Panthers won, yada, yada, it's a great game. I was really bummed. I go home, and I'm watching the game. And, and the whole time I'm watching it, in my head, what am I thinking? They won? Because they were getting pounded. I mean, it's like, I'm looking at the clock, they're down like two scores, four or five minutes to go into game. No, <laughs> still was watching some other game. There's no way they win this game. But they did. Do you know how much anxiety I had during the game? None. Why? I knew they won. I didn't know how. I couldn't figure out how. It made no sense even though I knew how. But I knew that they won. No anxiety. Can you imagine what I'd have been like, say, around 6.30 if I'd been watching that thing live? Biting down to the nubs, sweating everywhere. Just rubbing your shirt, whatever your lucky thing is, you know. Just trying, please God, just, I'll stand on my head, just please let them win. All the anxiety in the world, right? But when you know, when you know the outcome, listen, you might not know how it's going to work out, but I'm telling you, God is working it out. And when we know that, it takes all the anxiety out of the equation. It actually replaces the anxiety with stuff like this. This is going to be fun to watch. I just got to check it out. How's he going to do it? The drama becomes part of the story. And these are the stories that we tell over and over and over again. These will be the stories that your kids will ask you at the dinner table. Hey, Dad, Mom, tell the story about. And I'm like, ah, you don't want to hear that again. No, I do, I do, I do. This is like you and, you know, the movie that you watch all the time. I mean, you watch that movie so much that when people in your family walk in and see it on TV, they're just like, seriously, again? This is like the 25th time this week. Let it go. Yes, Overboard's a great movie, but it's over. Let it go. We've all got that. It's our faves. We can't watch them enough. Your story is designed to be like that. And it is the drama in it that makes it turn out that way. Troas transforms us. It's a place of tremendous value. Troas has a way of writing these stories into our lives. We hold them closer. We share them more passionately than any others. So much so that at the end of Paul's life and ministry, in 2 Timothy... The last letter he ever wrote, chapter 4, verse 13, he makes a request. 
He's writing. We'll start in verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to, to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. That's the verse we referenced last week. Even years later, when Paul was reconciled back, he had said in Acts 15 that Mark wasn't good for him. He didn't want to take him. But now he's saying, send him. He's, he's helpful to me in ministry. And here's verse 12. I sent Titius to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus. Where? At Troas. Now, it's possible that Paul only had one cloak. My guess is no. My guess is he had cloaks, and this is the one. At the end of his life, the end of his ministry, he specifically asked for a coat, a cloak, and it's the one from Troas. My guess is that when he got it, he just held it a little differently. Uh, he might have done like that weird smell thing. <sighs> the salt water of Troas. Is it possible that God could do something so amazing in your life where there's all these dead ends that years later, what you despise now, you will want then? Albemarle. Ugh. And 20 years from now, you're... You're texting somebody, hey, dude, I'm fixing to die. But make sure you get here quickly. Take the fastest jet plane. Make sure you bring me that sweater. You know, the one from Albemarle. That's what he's saying. Man, do your best. Get here quickly before winter. It's going to be cold. I need something to keep me warm. And I want the cloak from Troas. Here's the big idea today. It's full of hope for all of us, I hope. It's full of hope for you. If you're facing a dead end, I think it reminds us that the dead end doesn't have to be an end at all. Here's the big idea. God led you where you are to lead you where you aren't. God led you where you are to lead you where you aren't. There's a purpose to where you are. There's a purpose to what you're facing. Um, I've jotted down a couple, just a couple takeaways. You can write these down, down if you want to. You are where God wants you to be. Matthew 5, 14, you are a city on a hill. And this is to the followers of Jesus. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're still checking this stuff out, not sure, this, I hate to say this, but it doesn't really apply to you, okay? Because as Christians, as people that are following Jesus, here's what we believe. We believe that we've entrusted our lives to Jesus and we believe that God orchestrates events for his glory and sometimes for our good. And so I believe there are no accidents in my life. I believe that all the things that have happened in my life, God can take them. And he can, whether he caused them or not, he can orchestrate them. They are in his hands. And he can orchestrate it for my good and for his glory. And so when he says in Matthew 5, 14, you are a city set on a hill, it means I'm not accidentally placed where I am. Now, you might be going through your life if you're not a follower of Jesus. Do you know why I hurt for you? You don't have that hope. You get to do the whole, I'm just kind of wanderers. I'm aimlessly wandering around. And, uh, you know, a couple hundred years ago, I was a squid, and now I'm a, a man. <sighs> Whatever, dude. There's no hope in that. The hope is in the fact that I have a God, a creator, a sovereign Lord, who is orchestrating my steps, my life. He's putting me right where I need to be. And so if I'm in a bad place, 
a really bad place. I'm in a bad job. I'm in a bad city. I'm around people that are just, I can't get away from them. And they're just pulling me down. I don't know what to do. You know what the Bible says about Matthew 5, 14? It says that you were set there as a city on a hill. Shine your light. Shut your mouth. But, okay, we can butt all day long. I got one too. Just shine your light. We were set there. It means that God's not forgotten about you. He didn't put you somewhere and then get over here and get busy with everything else. And Oh, oh wait, wait, I got Paul over here. He didn't forget about you. He's orchestrating things. He's using things. Well, but I'm in a really, really, I mean, you have no idea how bad my circumstance is. I probably don't. But I do know how good God is. I know how powerful God is. I know that he has you right where he wants you. The Greek word for set in Matthew 5.14 when it says that we're a city set on a hill. The Greek word is kaimai. What a great word. And it means appointed and destined. It's not accidental. Sometimes God leads us to the yes by taking us through a no. So instead of wasting our time and energy wondering why we are where we are, we could spend that time and energy learning what we need to learn where we are. Just learn quickly. And then here's a great takeaway. Once you know the next step, take it. Just take it. It said in Acts 16, verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, once he knew what the next step was, we're supposed to go to Macedonia, we got ready at once to leave concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So once you know the next step, take it. Here's our story. I don't know if you know this or not. The people that were on the original launch team, they do. You may not realize this, but the gathering as a church is the result of me running into a funnel. This church is the result of three years of my life hearing no, 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 no. Until I have been in Troas with my toes in the water going, God, what? Then what? Here's what God did in our heart, me and Wendy. We just got to us. We started saying, God, okay, we get it. You're saying no to everything. We have heard you loud and clear. No. Just tell us what you're saying yes to. And if you'll make that your prayer, it will change everything. Instead of griping about all the no's, just ask God, what are you saying yes to? And he said, I'm saying yes to the gathering. And we went, what? Are you sure, God? I mean, maybe somebody else, right? He said, no, no, I've got you here. You don't have any other option. I mean, you can try to go somewhere else, but I will stop you because this is what you were made for. Do you know how much confidence comes in that? Do you know how, like, we could have a week where, and please, let's don't try it. I mean, I could see y'all because y'all are so fun. Like, after church day, you'll huddle together and go, okay, he said it, so let's try it next week. We, we could have a week where 15 people show up. <laughs> see, you're already, like, sending out. You're doing text messages right now. Next week is the 15-week person, the people week. Uh, but you know what? If we had that happen, I would get in my car when that week was over, and I would go, God, please, can we never do that again? I didn't like that at all. I like it when people show up. But I would not get in the car and go, I should quit. 
Because this is what I'm here for. What are you here for? What are you here for? And when you know what you're here for, the rest of the stuff just doesn't matter. That's the power of being funneled somewhere. That's the power of dead ends saying no, 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 no. Yes. That's the power. And my prayer for you is that you would have that in your life. That the things that have said, you've heard no so long, you just expect no all the time. But God has put you where he wants you to be. He has placed you like a city on a hill right where you are. And God has led you where you are so he can lead you where you aren't. So be faithful where you are. Learn the lessons where you are so you'll be ready when he says go. Cool thing about God is he knows what your heart's desire is. Isn't that good to know? So I know the map's gone. You don't have to put it back up. But Paul wanted to go to Asia, right? That was the place he wanted to go. And God said no. He took him to Troas and he said, look, don't go to Asia. Just go across the ocean. Go to Macedonia. It's a whole other region. And he goes to all these cities. We read about the places that would not be in the Bible if he hadn't gone there. And we get all the way around. When he was faithful, Isaiah 119, when you are willing and you are obedient, you will eat the best fruit of the land. When he was faithful, God brought him back. The end of his second missionary journey. Do you remember from the map where he got to come back to? Ephesus. You know where Ephesus is located? Asia. See, that's the kind of God I serve. All those things that he says no to in our lives, it's just not time. It's not time yet. There's still too much for us to do. There's still too much for us to learn. He's still got to mold us and shape us so we'll be ready for what he wants to give us. But what he's preparing you for right now is the desires he's placed in your heart. I want to be president of the United States of America. Sweet. Sign up for the ride. Because you've got a lot of traveling to do. Because he's got a lot of chiseling to do to get you ready for that job. But if you want to be a whiny butt, live in your mom's basement, and complain about how if you were president, you would do things different. <laughs> that sums up like a whole generation right there, doesn't it? <laughs> well, if I was to coach the team, <laughs> go be a coach somewhere. Start middle school. I don't want to coach middle school students. <laughs> they like snotty. Start somewhere. You're not, you're not, nobody's calling you from the White House going, hey, this is crazy. <laughs> President Obama just walked in and said he resigns on one condition, that you would be the next president. It's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen. So take the journey. Take the journey. No, no, just keep stepping, just keep walking. Paul never stopped. He, didn't, he kept going until he could go no further, and that's where God spoke to him. I'm calling you today, just go till you can't go any further, and that's where God will speak to you. And he will blow your mind with the vision that expands your ministry. You are settling for cities. He wants a continent.